Concerns about the Chinese economy and the country's stock market gyrations have shown little sign of abating this week. I'm Martin Sanbu of the Financial Times, and I spoke to the FT's economics editor, Chris Giles, and our US economics editor, Sam Fleming, about the impact this is likely to have on the wider global economy as the US Federal Reserve ponders when to raise interest rates. Chris, can you give us an overview of what's happened recently in the markets and an update on where things stand right now? Well, clearly the markets have been in a big funk, certainly over the past week or so, and a bit longer if you look at China. So the Chinese stock market went up into sky-high territory. I'm not going to go into the exact numbers here through the first few months of the year and has crashed back down to where it started or now quite a lot below where it started the year. And on top of some pretty bad Chinese economic data, particularly some bad export data over the summer, this has led the rest of the world to wonder whether China, which is on many of the best measures the world's largest economy, is now growing significantly slower than previously thought. And that's raised questions over the whole global economy, leading to other stock markets around the world falling very rapidly. Commodity markets, clearly as China's a very large commodity importer, falling very rapidly, the oil price falling below the levels of January, and great uncertainty in the global economy again. Sam, I assume you're packing your bags to follow the world's central bankers to Jackson Hole, where they have their annual meeting. Everyone's eyes, of course, are on the central bankers, especially those at the Federal Reserve. What's the take on all this market turmoil and the Chinese volatility, especially in the US and in the Federal Reserve? Well, yeah, Martin, it comes at a very sensitive time, doesn't it, for the Federal Reserve? It's really been spending the entire year priming the markets for an interest rate rise towards the second half of the year. And now this volatility erupts in China. It had a big impact, as Chris has been explaining, on the U.S. markets. So volatility is the word, but there clearly has been, over the past few days, a reduction in the U.S. stock market. That has important wealth effects potentially in the U.S., bigger wealth effects than it might do in other countries because equities are quite widely held in the US. So the Fed doesn't necessarily want to react immediately to stock market gyrations, but it certainly is part of the picture. And more broadly, I think the way the Fed will look at this is to try and assess how significant not moves in the Chinese market are, which is something of a casino market, not with huge implications for the global financial system, but more how significant a slowdown is now underway in China. If there is a genuine serious slowdown, which will have knock-on effects around the emerging markets and potentially significant downward effects also on commodity prices. And that does uh, seem like something that is relevant to the Federal Reserve as it considers whether to raise interest rates as soon as September. Yeah, because a lot of people were expecting them to do it already next month. Is that completely off the agenda now? No, I think that would be premature. I think we're getting down to the wire, really. The Fed doesn't want to find itself in a position on September 17th where markets are more or less pricing out the chance of a rate hike, but it still thinks that it might be an option. It doesn't want to telegraph clearly, we are going to do it. It's trying to get away from that very, very concrete forward guidance. But it also doesn't want to be wildly out of whack with the markets. I think if we still are in a state of significant market volatility in the middle of September, then clearly the Fed won't want to add to that by hiking rates. It is one of the questions the Fed has to deal with, isn't it? How much it has to take into account international developments rather than purely domestic ones. Chris, it is striking, isn't it, that market turmoil in China should seem to be so important for markets elsewhere and for policymakers elsewhere. 
Well, of course, we never entirely know with the real physical Chinese economy. But what we do know is it was growing at over 10% four or five years ago annually. And that's down at least on official figures to 7% and is likely to slow considerably further. China gets bigger and bigger. So that doesn't necessarily mean the amount of demand it gives to the rest of the world economy is declining at that sort of rate. But there are fears that with the Chinese economy, it was growing initially on exports. Then it moved after the global financial crisis to be primarily driven by domestic investment, and particularly real estate investment. And that has stopped. And when you have an economy that has such a high level of investment share, you know you're vulnerable to sudden changes in confidence and changes in animal spirits, which might mean that people don't want to spend. And so you could suddenly find you're in quite a difficult position. I think we are too early to say this. We also have summer scores in markets. So to say that this is the start of another global financial crisis or another global downturn, it's far, far too early to say that. But you could see ways that it might be. Sam, how much does the US economy really depend on the Chinese economy? The US, first of all, is not a highly open economy. Exports are around 13% of GDP. You know, that's way lower than, for example, Germany, where it's closer to 40%, or China, which is a quarter of the economy is, is driven by exports. So it's not a highly open economy. And of its exports, a fairly small amount go to China, around a third go to emerging markets, and only about 5% to China. So if there is a substantial slowdown in the Chinese economy, then it's not necessarily a direct impact on trade per se. It's obviously important for big multinationals, which have a lot of business in China. There's also just the knock-on effect for the global economy of a Chinese slowdown, which could then reverberate more indirectly round to the US. China has been, as Stephen King from HSBC put it earlier this week, the consumer of last resort in recent years, a huge consumer and a huge driver of what growth the global economy has been seeing. If that is now beginning to be taken off the table then that's clearly relevant for all economies, including the US. We do need to be a little bit careful about talking about China as the consumer of last resort. It still has a very large net export surplus. And even though it's smaller than it was a few years ago, it isn't in the way that the US has been and was in the past the consumer of last resort. In fact, one of the things I think that really is the case is that the world matters more to China than China matters to the world, partly because of its export position. And what we would like to see happen in China and what the Chinese authorities also want is for the Chinese economy to rebalance towards domestic consumption. But that is a very, very difficult and very long-term process. So I think for other advanced economies, a lot of this does depend, as Sam was saying, entirely on the indirect causes, not the direct causes for the UK, for example, just like in the US, the UK export share to China is 3.5% roughly. So it's much less than 1% of GDP in exports. So you could lose all your exports and you would still not have a recession in the UK, so for example. So you both seem to be saying the same thing, that the, at least the direct economic effects of a China slowdown maybe are a little bit overrated. It does put into perspective the hopes of some politicians that China will be the big market that will save our economies in the future. Thanks, Chris and Sam. This is an abbreviated version of the Financial Times' World Weekly podcast. To listen to the full show, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.